What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and as always, we're going to talk about our sponsors from Underdog Fantasy, the newest and best place to play fantasy sports and win big prizes. And if you've been following recently, I can't get a fucking pick right to save my life. So what you're going to want to do is when you go in there, pick them on Underdog Fantasy using the promo code SLOP, get a $100 deposit match today when you sign up. Once you do that, you're going to want to take my picks and you're going to want to fade them every single time you see them. It's very easy. You can go on Underdog's website or use the app. I'm pulling it up right now. And you can check out their Pick'em section, which is a ton of fun. You can go higher or low on your favorite player stats. Right now, I'm looking at Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Obviously, the only game on tonight is Celtics-Hawks. I'm recording this on Thursday. And I'm feeling a big game from Jason Tatum. I'm going to go higher. I'm not going against my instincts. Sam talked shit on him the entire game. Are the entire podcast today. So I'm going to say end game, every game he talks shit on Jason Tatum. But he talks shit on him on the podcast today. I'm feeling like Jason Tatum is going to close out the Hawks tonight in Atlanta, game six. 30.5 is what it's at right now. I'm going to go higher on that. Uh, I'm going to just trust the instincts, which have been so, so very bad to me. And then if you look over on the Hawks side, there are also some. Points, rebounds, and assists for Trey Young, DeJounte Murray. Uh, DeJounte's had a great series. He's coming back from suspension this game. Right now, he has a higher lower of 21.5. That's interesting. He has had a lot of steals in this series. He's averaging almost two and a half per game. Uh, So I'm going to go higher on the blocks and steals. It's one and a half combined blocks and steals. Maybe he'll have another big game where he has some steals. Uh, So we're going to go DeJounte higher on blocks and steals. Jason Tatum, 30.5. We're going to go higher. He's going to score at least 31 points tonight. Let me throw 20 bucks on that and I can win a $60 payout. So if you've not already, sign up today. Using the promo code SLOP, it supports the program. It's fun to do their playoff drafts all throughout the NBA playoffs. It's really fun to do their pick them. So definitely check that out if you have not already. I would really, really appreciate it. Thanks. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today, returning to the podcast, you might have heard him on Slopfest a few weeks ago. We have Jason Buford, our resident Knicks fan. What's going on, Jason? What's up? Knicks and six. <laughs> Knicks and six. Well, you just won in five, but we before we get into any Knicks talk, I want to hold off on that for a little bit because we just witnessed... What might be the biggest upset? I'm I'm here to say it's probably the biggest upset in NBA history. Like, what other series can we even compare this to, really? If you think about the history, like, like think about how people talked about the Bucks all season. Think about how people kind including me, counted out the heat from a month ago, two weeks ago, when they were in the play-in, to the Bucks being basically the favorites to win the title, according to a lot of the media. We were a little bit more skeptical on that and their playoff performance in general. But now we're sitting here two weeks after the Bulls almost beat the Heat in the play-in, and they are fucking getting away with it again on the back of a Jimmy Butler back-to-back masterclass performance dragging them across the finish line. Sam, can you think, like, it's definitely the biggest upset since Mavs, Warriors, the We Believe 
shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to me, it feels maybe it's just because it's in the moment. It feels bigger than that because the Bucks got their fucking ass kicked. Like I know the last two games were close, but they lost in five. They lost every game Giannis played in, and mm-hmm. I just don't even know how we're sitting here today talking about this. Yeah, this is definitely the biggest upset since Christina Hedricks got with the guy who's her husband. Um, this is he, he was in his Jimmy Butler bag, like this is so. Like very, that's how I look at this. Is it's like you know everyone counted him out, and uh, there he went. I mean, this. So there's like a lot of things here. I think you got to kind of start with the bud of it all, uh, because that because this is what we kept saying or I kept thinking anyway it was like okay the bucks are good like eventually the heat are gonna stop shooting 50 percent from three in this series and it just never happened and it feels like that's always what happens with these coach bud teams and it's like the idea of like yeah it's not that you don't have to guard the three-point line it's fine just what what, what what's the worst that could happen and um yet again they got kind of bombed out of the playoffs i mean you know all due respect to jimmy I, did you see the clip of him uh telling drew i fucking own you with, down six with, with two, two minutes left in the and, game and like, if if you watched that game last night and we did a stream during it we did a playback stream during the game and the entire third and fourth quarter i kept saying I sounded like an insane person. I kept saying the Heat are winning this game, and everyone was like, "What are you talking about?" And it was the end of the third, going into the fourth, and I was like, "They are in their heads in a way that I have seen the look on the Bucks players' faces." It reminded me very much of that Hawks Sixer series in 2021, when it felt as though the Sixers were going to run away with these games, and the Hawks just slowly kept chipping away, slowly kept chipping away. They were relentless and. By the fourth quarter, even though they were down six with two minutes left, it felt like they were going to win the game. The, the Bucks could not hit a shot down the stretch. And I do think the Bud part of it is a huge part, obviously. Like, I think the Bud was horrible last night. I mean, using your challenge in the first five minutes of the game is so dumb. In addition to that, not calling a timeout two different times. When you had a chance at the end of regulation with 0.5 seconds left after Jimmy makes that bucket to tie the game, you don't call a timeout. Eric Spolstra in the huddle (laughs) was was like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) And then you're in overtime and you have two timeouts. And okay, so you try to get a bucket in transition. I totally understand that. It's That's kind of an advantage that, especially with the Bucs, who are a team that relies on a ton of uh, transition buckets, Giannis is in the open court is like unstoppable. Well, the Heat stopped them, and there was about five seconds left, and they were just playing hot potato and no one wanted to take the shot. And at that point, if you're the coach, you have to call a timeout because you're uh, the whatever advantage you had created with the transition had completely dissolved by that point. And it comes mm-hmm. down to Giannis not wanting to take the last shot, Middleton not wanting to take the last shot, and then finally Grayson Allen running the clock out and not even getting a shot off in overtime, and you lose to the eight seed that like in in, five in in five five. in five and like i i think the bud part is definitely true he was horrible Giannis missed 13 free throws chris middleton could not make a shot in the fourth quarter drew holiday made a shot with like seven minutes left and then they i don't even know if they scored another 
bucket until overtime. All their points came from the free throw line, I believe. Like, this collapse was based on everything we've always worried about with the Bucks in the playoffs, which is their half-court offense is not reliable down the stretch, and they are prone to these cold shooting games where when the shots aren't falling and the other team is able to expose the drop coverage on the other end, you're like Matt Moore did a piece on it, HP basketball. And he wrote in there, like it's, it's a large enough trend that like, it's like three out of every five teams that, that face the bucks in the playoff shoot above their expected percentage from three every series. And it's not just like a small sample. Like we have like four years of this now that tells us that the bucks are vulnerable to teams that shoot a lot of threes. And if they get hot at the right time, they can, they can lose these series. And it's, it's insane to me that people are acting like the, the comment that Eric Neem from the athletic made uh, when he asked Giannis, if it was a failure was a ridiculous question to ask. Of course it's a failure. They were the one seed. They had the best yeah. record in the NBA. They were supposed to win the title and they lost to an eight seed. How is this not a failure? No, hold on. They won a playoff game. <laughs> if you win a playoff game, that's good. That's what I've heard. Um, I mean, look, I don't. I thought to... it was. I mean, I thought it was funny that Giannis was trying to lecture him, but bro, I saw Giannis literally press the ball like it was a hot potato because he didn't want to get fouled. <laughs> it, that, that was the other play when he gets when he catches the jump ball and he doesn't want to get fouled and go to the free throw line, so he throws it to Middleton. Almost throws the game away if Middleton didn't save it. Like, th this is where I knew that the Heat were in their head was because everyone was afraid to do anything whenever they had the ball. And, like, some yeah, of this shit yeah. is, like, you can really chalk it up to some mental shit where, like, like some of it is, like, scheme stuff. Some of it is, like, whatever. But, like, bro, they were sh they shook them to their core. And, like, I think I, – I look, I don't think that it means – the, the the Bucks themselves are failures. Giannis is a failure. Obviously not. They they've no, won a just title. Just Grayson Allen. Just Grayson Allen. <laughs> yes. he, is he is a personal failure. But other than that, everybody else innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally innocent. Yeah. Right but like, I don't know. I feel like I'm going insane. If any other team did this, if any other star did this, we would be sitting here being like, "What the fuck just happened?" But instead, like. Everyone's like coddling Giannis today. I don't know. It. They I just. Bro, I just feel like I'm going insane. They love to coddle him. It's, it's. I mean, they're coddling him like constantly throughout the TL, and it's just like, bro, like, come on, man, like, we, we can't do that. Obviously, yeah. this season a failure. They lost one. They lost to the Miami. This team team's not even good. That's the thing. Like, they're not even. <laughs> yeah. <that nice>. yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's not it's not like they had like an injury in the regular season and that's why their record was like this. Nah, bro, they're just kind of whack. And so it's like <laughs> <laughs> and, let's, and let's provide context to that, Jason, because not only are were they did they have a negative net rating in the in the regular season, almost missed the playoffs entirely because they shit the bed in the play-in. But in addition to that, like, dude, Kyle Lowry fouled out, Bam Adebayo fouled out, Tyler Hero was injured. Kevin Love failed uh, fouled out. Um, fucking uh, Victor Oladipo was out. They were down five rotation players in overtime, and they won the game on the road against the number one seed in the NBA. Like this was one hundred percent a failure of of this Bucks team, and more so to me that it was it was a failure mainly because 
I felt as though that this might have been their last chance to really now look, you have Giannis, you're prop you're gonna be in the title conversation every single year if you have Giannis. Undeniably, he's still, in my opinion, still probably the best two-way player in the NBA. Now, offensively, there's some limitations. There's some things that you might need to parse through there. But in terms of when he's when he's you know he's on, he is, if not the best player, one of the three best players. You're always gonna have a shot. But this core with the Bucs is aging pretty quick, dude. You have Middleton, who's over 30 now, and honestly looks like a shell of him looked like a shell of himself this year. You have Drew, who great regular season player. Every single playoffs he shoots, his true shooting is below 50%. He can't hit big shots. He can't run an offense. And Brooke Lopez, who's 34 going on 35, and he is a big part of their defense. So, like this opportunity was a massive opportunity when you consider championship windows and the Bucs have a lot of questions to ask themselves when it comes to the coach when it comes to the roster and how they can convince Giannis to sign that extension and stay there for an extra five years and potentially play his whole career there like I don't know I think it's a massive miss opportunity and and it's just it, it's crazy to me that people aren't act, acting like it is they have um two second round picks and uh like and then every other first but like like they have like almost the minimum amount of picks you can have under the stepian rule going forward like yes. they literally have <clears throat> to trade they have two second round picks and one of which is going to be the 2023 pick so the the uh, picks from the drew holiday trade are just starting this year if this i remember year. correctly yes yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is that's tough man like that i it's going to be hard to like build out your team like how are how are you going to get jay crowder to bench him and not play him uh dude it, it, five it, second it, round picks for an expiring contract and he doesn't even see the court this is that's some gerald wallace shit right there like that, that was like what the nets were on when they traded for gerald <laughs> gerald wallace is expiring for no reason i mean here's here's so here's my question uh, about this because because i'm realizing we're getting into a lot of talk about like frauds because this is this this is pretty damning for my case, I've always argued that the Lakers were more fraudulent than the Bucks in terms of recent titles, that the bubble was more fraudulent. And this hurts that case. So I'm going to pivot, um, you know, like all people who uh, have been proven wrong immediately. Um, <laughs> so I, are we just entering like a new era of NBA parody? Like, like, like is this just like what's going to happen like every year? Like, is it crazy that, like, the, the it's not insane that the Celtics and the Warriors, neither of those teams make the conference, like, finals, sure. but, like, this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. and, you know, I'm just, like, I've got the fear of God in me uh, to, uh, because of a shitty Trey Young as a Celtics fan right now. Yeah. Like, 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 this isn't even 2021 Trey Young who's, like, on fire, like, doing this. So, like... Does like just the regular season matter even less than it used to? I guess is the way I want to frame this. Like where it's just literally nothing matters until you get to the playoffs, and like it's just gonna be like determined by like injuries and matchups. Like because it kind of seems like we're kind of there. You know what I'm saying? Like the, I, people are gonna be penciling the Celtics into the finals right now. I'm not confident against the Sixers. I I'm definitely not confident against the Knicks or the Heat anymore. <laughs> like, sure, I don't like you know. Jason, I, Jason, what do you think of that? I mean, if if if, if anything, you your your Knicks would certainly benefit some from from this parody because the fact that 
You know, like you guys don't have your prototypical superstar, quote unquote, like we all had anticipated that you need to win the finals. But if that's the case and the door's wide open, like, is this just a new era of just competitive? Anyone has a shot. Yeah, I mean, I think it looks like the league got so much better from the time LeBron and the Cavaliers and the Warriors are going through the run than what it is now. Right. So it does look like a little bit we're going to have this kind of like super parody, which would be great, I think, for like kind of the the wing of the NBA that was NBA fandom that was like, oh, the NBA needs more parody. Like, it's good for that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the regular season might, la- might might matter a little less. Also, I mean, I think for me, we beat the Celtics on the road on a Sunday night without Randall one night or I think it was out without Brunson one night. Um, so. Just. Uh, you know, we have to get past Miami first, but the Celtics don't inspire kind of like fear and God in me either. You know what sure. I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, we got a shot. I, I think it is I think it is best for a team like the Knicks kind of with no real superstar, but a chance to kind of compete if they have depth. And that's the biggest thing. You have some depth in the playoffs. You can kind of compete now, whereas it's like before you had depth, it didn't matter because you didn't have the two best – you didn't have the best players. Now I think because the level of talent is so more, it's much more even than it used to. If you have depth, you it works. So I, I, I actually I, I, totally agree, Jay. Jay, you're, yeah. what you're saying right now makes a lot of sense to me when you consider the fact that first off, this Miami team team isn't super deep, but they do have a lot of veteran players that mm-hmm. uh, you know have been there before. We talked mm-hmm. about Kevin Love, like the Cavs just letting Kevin Love go. We didn't understand it at the time. It looks way worse now that he was in. It a looks fashion. bad. They needed a big to. They needed a big to go to the three point line. It looks real bad. You know, or what I'm saying? They, have- they couldn't do either, and like they didn't have him. And then also, like we talk about, I always talk about this thing where when you make a star trade, you need a year or two to build your depth back up. Because you've you've exhausted all the resources that you had, your picks, your young players, your contracts, whatever, to get that star player. That's the cycle the Cavs are going through right now. And it makes it so that you have to hit these margin moves and that they're incredibly important. Like for the Sixers, for example, they traded for James Harden. They gave up a bunch of depth to do it. They gave up some picks. And when they did that, they then had to go out and get P.J. Tucker on the MLE. They had to trade for DeAnthony Melton. They had to get Daniel House. They had to make sure that they are nailing these moves on the margins so that they can rebuild their depth. And now, like, they got Jalen McDaniels at the trade deadline. Like, they have, like, seven or eight guys you can kind of trust. Maybe nine if you want to stretch it a little bit. But the depth thing is interesting to me because I think because we were so star-brained, even trading for, like, Drew Holiday, you had to give up all your picks. Even tra- trading for any of these guys, you have to give up everything that you have. And it might have made the inverse happen where the depth actually matters a little bit more than the stars because everyone has stars now. So, like, like Jalen Brunson just outplayed Donovan Mitchell in a playoff series. Like, Jimmy Butler just outplayed Giannis in a playoff series. Like, there's also that aspect of it, too, where, like, maybe our perception of what a player is is, you know, it just, it happens, it it happens to change any given year in, in the modern NBA. And like, I still think that you need one of the best players in the NBA to win a title, but what is the definition of that might change a little bit. Like we still have only seen the Warriors with Steph, the Bucks with Giannis, the Lakers with LeBron, like Kawhi on the Raptors. Like, if you go back, they all have a guy who's considered 
in the top five. And what this Bucks Heat series has me asking is, Jimmy Butler on any given night can look like the best player in the NBA. Like, he just can. Like, he has nights and games in the playoffs where I'm like, he, is he like a, like a top five guy in the regular season? He never looks like it, but he saved himself for the playoffs every year. And he he's got an ex, he's got an extra gear. Yep, he's got he's got that extra gear. I think you know. I think the way he can control the possession too, and then yep. kind of like use that as his gravity and get to the line and make the free throws. I mean, he had that fifty two point game. He only shot three from eight from three. The rest yeah. were like two pointers or free throws. Like he literally dominated that game. Like, I mean, Jimmy is – Jimmy. I mean, he's better than Mitchell, right? Like, I, I remember thinking that the Cavs are going to win because they had the best player on the floor. But, I mean, Jimmy's better than Mitchell. So, it's like – so, we'll see. Certainly in the playoffs. And in in the context of this Heat team, like, I, I still don't know what to make of them moving forward because, like you said, like, I think on paper the Knicks have a much better team. But I also think that, like – Maybe, maybe having the best player and having, and I think that the the gap between uh, Spo and Bud was pretty massive in this series. Tactically, uh, Spo kind of pants Bud in a way that uh, Sam talked about with Brad Stevens a few years ago when they played against each other in the bubble. <laughs> and if that is the case, then I think that uh, if it is the case that they have the tactical advantage, they have the best player. I kind of think you can't really hold them down, keep them out of the conversation because they just, they, <laughs> you said they just have Pat Riley devil magic right now. Mm-hmm. And like satanic. We, it's, it's beyond satanic. There's no way to predict this team until basically they run Jimmy Butler into the ground, which is what it seems like is going like, even at the end of that game last night, Jimmy had carried the team so heavily in that game. He was dying down the stretch. Like they had on the last possession of overtime, I believe it was that, yeah, it was overtime. They had Caleb Martin running a pick and roll because Jimmy was so tired and there was no one else left on the court that was, that was able to really run the offense. And it turned into that Max Struess three that Giannis fouled on and sent Struess to the line. But Jimmy was so exhausted that I'm wondering that if the Knicks are going to be able to take advantage of the fact that Jimmy just had to carry the entire team on his back for the first round and get to that second round. And now maybe you might have a little bit of a diminished heat team due to injuries. And then also in addition to that, Jimmy just like kind of like, like kind of like last year in the Celtics series by game seven, he's pulling up from three to win the series instead of getting downhill. Like he usually does because he's just been carrying the team for so many games in a row. So like, I definitely think there's there's a possibility that happens, but I do just want to talk about during the little the free section of this podcast. I want to talk just a little bit about where the Bucks go from here, because hell, before <laughs> they go, bye bye. It's oh, it's it's Jover. It is Jover for the. the They're going to hell, aren't they, folks? <laughs> They're going to hell. The thing Take on care. the bottom, the place in that's where they going. See you later. <laughs> Mr. Middleton, he, he was very nasty to me, and then he hurt his knee. This is, this is what happens. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a gross guy. D- Drew, uh, he, he went stealing from everyone, and then Jimmy told him he owned him. It's sad. He's a close personal friend of mine. <laughs> so so the Bucks have... <laughs> 
the Bucks have now a, a basically a little bit of an issue here for them. And I'm yeah. mad that we recorded after Zach recorded because I listened to Zach Lowe's podcast. And on Zach's podcast, he pointed out the thing that I've been saying for the past two days off air, which is the Bucks have not – they've made two good draft picks since Giannis. They've made two good draft picks since Giannis. Now, some of them, they traded them away. Some of them, they just were late in the first round and they missed. But, like, they made the Malcolm Brogdon pick, which they traded Malcolm Brogdon after three years, which, whatever, fine. They didn't want to pay him. I understand. But also, still, one of their only two good picks. Their other pick was Dante DiVincenzo, who they also traded for a veteran player in Serge Baca because they didn't want to pay Dante DiVincenzo because he had struggled and he was injured and whatever. That's also like I don't even know if I would call that like a good pick. Wasn't that like sixteen or something like that? Sixteen or seventeen. 17. I mean, all things yeah. considered, the only players that were really on the board left still there. Most of the good ones, Herder was the one that they probably should have taken there in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like it really the uh, most of the guys that were good in that draft that went up, they went a little bit later. Like Robert Williams was at the end of the twenties, but Robert Melton Williams was in the thirties was like mocked in that range. Though. Sure. I mean, I guess that's not really like a fit, but like it's in that, that is like riffs man magic that like Rob slid to us. Like he was getting mocked as high as like 10 in that yeah. draft. And he fell all the way to like that. Now it's because of injuries shit, but like, I don't know. I, I think I mean, Dante's a fine pick for the 16th pick. It was a loaded draft. That is the one thing that's different. Like yeah. you had Mitchell Robinson and Melton and Robert Williams and all these guys go in the 20s and 30s that turned out to be really decent, good NBA players. But like, if you look at their range, all the good picks were right before them. Then they got Dante. Herder went right after that. There were some good picks for sure. But like on the whole, getting a rotation player that started for you is a good pick at 16. If they had still kept Dante DiVincenzo, he would be a valuable role player for them. But, but I guess that's my point, is like he didn't start for them, though. They traded him because he sucked. He didn't, no, he, he didn't did start good. for them. He, he started for them his first... He started for them for like two or three years, and then he got hurt, and then he didn't start. He only fell out of their uh, starting lineup was because he fucked up his ankle, and he was like off... He, he had an off year. Okay. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm misremembering, but I mean, like there were a lot of, I only know this because he was an analytical darling and we all said it was bullshit because he was starting, he was the fifth starter in the Grayson Allen spot. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of like, like Aaron holiday and Chandler Hutchinson are like the, the, the two like bad picks still there, but all these other guys are like rotation players like Landry Shamit, Amfreddy Simons was still on the board. Josh Akogis, who's fine. Jalen Brunson, Still on the board. Like, it was a great draft. I'm not saying it wasn't, yeah. but but, but like Trent Jr., Jared oh, Vanderbilt. It was Bruce an insane Brown. draft. It's like the, it's yeah. the best draft of all time, maybe. Yeah. Like it's it was an insane draft. But I but yeah. this is all I'm gonna say. Yeah. At worst, that's a neutral solid pick. Like it's fine. Yeah. But like it's not like a home run like Malcolm Brogdon was in the second round. Yeah. I, I guess just that that's all I'm pushing back on is that's not even like a I wouldn't even call that a good pick. Okay, let's say they've made one good pick since since yeah. then and one okay pick. Yeah. Okay. So they haven't they have basically no young players in in the the prospect uh, pipeline except for maybe Marshawn Bochamp. I don't know what he is. He's going to be 23 years old at the start of next season. So if he is a player, he'll probably have to be good in the next two years and we'll find out. But my point here is that I actually think in the long run that this could end up being kind of a blessing in disguise for the Bucks if they do decide to make moves. 
And the reason is, I think they need to get younger. And I think they need to... I've been saying... The problem is, Lopez is expiring. Middleton it has a player option. So you can't trade either of those guys. The one guy you can trade is Drew Holiday. And Drew's like 32 now. He's been in the league for a while. And we have a large sample of Drew kind of not being good offensively at all in the playoffs. And yes, he is a very good defensive player and he can make winning plays and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like his shooting falls off a cliff every single year. And now he might be, the way that he is viewed around the league, he's going to make All-NBA this year. He was on the All-Star team. He is viewed very positively around the league. And my idea, it's funny you brought up Anthony Simons. My idea for them to get younger is go to the Blazers. They want to build around Dame. They want to put a contender around Dame. You go to the Blazers and you try to get Anthony Simons and picks for Drew Holiday. That makes you a little bit more offensively focused. Got a young guy to put around Giannis. He's 23 years old. He's pretty athletic, elite shooter, can handle the ball, will solve at least some of your half-court offensive issues when you get to the end of these games and you just have no one who can create their own shot. He's might He might kind of you know, make your defense worse on the whole, obviously, if you're replacing Drew with him. But right now, if you're trying to get younger, I think this is the perfect time to try to make a home run swing trade like that to extend the Giannis window. Because if you don't win in the next two years with these guys, that might be it. Like this is, to me, this this is their window. And I kind of think that that is where you need to kind of maybe open the window slightly bigger and make a trade like that. I'm not saying you have to trade for Simons, but the Blazers are going to be open to moving him. Uh, Dame loves Drew. He always talks about Drew, and they want to get more defensive focus and blah, 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 and compete and win 50 games and be back in the fi- and try to get to the conference finals or whatever. And I don't know. I That was just an idea I had, and I think that that would be the kind of moves that I would be looking to explore this offseason if I am the Bucks. I mean, that's kind of the only choice you have. You don't have any picks, like literally any. You have two second-round picks, so you can't buy. You can't improve. You can't do any of that stuff. So you're kind of left, and like you just said, like you're you're going to be kind of strong-armed into bringing back um, Lopez and Middleton because if they walk, you're more fucked. You um, lose their salaries. You, you lose their salaries and, and, and everything, so – then you're stuck, uh, you know, yeah, trading like Marjan Bochamp or like Grayson Allen and like Bobby Portis, maybe. Yeah, like it's yeah, all but, like yeah. just like filler salary. Not that they aren't good. Like Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis are solid rotation players, but like yeah. they don't have a ton of trade value. But Bobby Bobby Portis was like you know on the six man short list, you know. But like I, I just. I think my, I think my my thing is that they've gone too far now. Like I think it's gonna take a lot like they're not going to get the necessary stuff to dig themselves back up out the other side even if they sell around Giannis like like even if they do trade Drew so you get you get you like because ideally you'd be like oh that's a good start you get Simons you get these draft picks okay now what (laughs) you know like because you gotta pitch Giannis on like a little bit of a step back to take a step forward yeah and I think that's like what's gonna need to happen i think they're gonna need to like i, I think you're gonna need to like just be like a lower tier like you because you're still gonna make the playoffs and everything but i think you're gonna just gonna need to slide back into that you know 
Hawks range to, you know, take on bad salary to get picks. Like maybe you can take some of the, you know, the, the Mavericks gross rotation. Yeah. Something like that. And you give them drew or something like that, you or know, Brooke like Lopez or someone, yeah, that, someone yeah, yeah. And, and like just getting those picks and getting some of that, some of those assets at, to like retool. But I think it's, not going to be able to be done in one season. I think they're looking at two to three years of being bad. And, you know, that's not the end of the world. You can do the Jokic thing and, you know, build your team specifically to get your guy MVPs. Like, and that's that's probably what they'll do. So, and yeah, that'll be, that'll be fine. So um, yeah, but uh, not looking good for the bucks. um, I got to say. So I will say the one thing that I know they were interested in Fred Van Fleet at the deadline. That's what uh, I, I heard. That's what Sham said. Like that is definitely a real thing that happened. Can you somehow swing some sort of move where you move out guys and you get Fred Van Fleet in the sign and trade? He's like 29. He's kind of fits the Giannis timeline. What? They just you, can't. They, they can't because they're they're hard capped. And I know that's the problem. Hard they have so much money. Like they just don't. You'd have to like let Brooke walk or something like that, or let um, Middleton walk. You know, like and yeah. Are you better bringing in Fred Van Vliet for Middleton? I mean, honestly, maybe if if that's if Middleton, if, if, if that's maybe. the Middleton they're getting, then yeah, maybe. But uh, it's maybe just, maybe if the Raptors are like, well, we're gonna lose Fred Van Vliet anyway let's send a pick and get Middleton back. Like that, that is a situation where you look at like, okay, we can get Fred Van Fleet, get a little bit younger. And also like, I still would rather have Middleton than Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> I still would rather on the chance that Middleton is healthy, a wing who can create their own shot and pass is just much more valuable than a small guard who, you know, he doesn't have defensive issues like most small guards do, but just a small guard who isn't like a high level creator. He's going to be running. He's going to be in the Grayson Allen role. Like he'll be a better version of what Grayson Allen does for you, basically. But that was the kind of trade that at the deadline would have been a lot more appealing to a team like them because it would have been really nice to have Fred Van Fleet last night when everyone was afraid to take a shot down the stretch because he'll he'll at least let it fly. So like that that's kind of where I'm at with it. Where like I think that they're now looking at a situation where like they'll probably fire Bud. They'll probably they'll probably take a step back to take a step forward with Giannis in a few years, and they they are now on the clock trying to convince Giannis to stay with signing his extension. And you have to have some young pieces that are promising, or else Giannis is going to be like, all these dudes are going to be forty by the time I'm done this contract. And like, I know that players can last a little bit longer now, but like, you never know when a guy's going to just completely fall off a cliff and and not be the Starish level player that you need, you know, Drew Middleton and honestly Brooke Lopez to be too, because like Brooke has been the most underrated player on that team for a few years now, but he's incredibly important to their success. And like, I don't know, I, I just kind of think that like this is completely out of left field and they really just they need to kind of look at themselves in the mirror and figure out where they're going to go from here so they can extend that window. So that's the end of the Bucks talk. Uh, if you want to hear the rest of this episode, subscribe to the You Know Ball Patreon. The link is in the description. We're going to talk about Jason's Knicks. We're going to talk about the Knicks Heat series. We're going to talk about the Cavs and their loss that they just had. And then later in the episode, we're going to pick our all first round teams where we pick the best players in the NBA from the first round of the playoffs. 
and then we pick them for all uh, all three all NBA teams. So, link is in the description for that. Sign up for the You Know Ball Patreon today.